Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Happy Father's Day. So yeah, that's a little more. Gosh. It's kind of a double uh, celebration for us. It is our 30th anniversary tomorrow. 30 years. Wow. We've been married longer than we've lived than not. Yeah, however you look at it. Which is awesome. Let's do another 30, huh? Maybe more. You never know. But... uh, Hope everybody's doing well. Thank you for being here to worship with us. Again, just a reminder, it is uh, 9 o'clock and 11 11 o'clock services um, here moving forward. Um, So come and and join us. Uh, If you have any questions, please let us help you get connected with um, a lot of different stuff going on. Just a couple last-minute things we forgot to mention was ladies are starting their summer study this Wednesday, 9.30 right here. Connie Waldron is leading leading this study through um, this book called The Release, The Power of Prayer by George Mueller. It's a classic on prayer. So uh, ladies, that is an awesome thing to be part of and meet other ladies. That's 9.30 Wednesdays here. Gentlemen, every Wednesday right here, 6.30 a.m., The Forge, and we are journeying through Romans, uh, so come join us here, Mid-Valley, uh, gentlemen, that's 6.30 Friday mornings uh, down there at the Willits, uh, the Regis work area there, so just some um, open groups to step into. Last thing is we always uh, help raise funds to send kid, kids from our inner city church, His Love Fellowship, to camp. Uh, if you're interested in uh, being a part of that, just call Made here at the church, and we'll get you uh, the information about all that. So I think that that's it. Oh, and um, if you're not on our mailing li- our email list, we send an email out every Monday with everything going on in the life of the church. You can just fill out a connecting card, put your email on that, um, and just put it in the offering box on the wall back there, and we'll get you on that. All right, sound good? All right, well, welcome. If you're here visiting back for a season... Brand new here. Thank you for being here with us. We have been uh, for several, a couple months now, more than that, in this series, Not Just Human. And we've been looking, we've been starting 2 Corinthians, did a little 1 Corinthians, and we've been working through Romans 6, 7, and 8. Uh, We're going to wrap this series up this morning. Um, even though the big question we're dealing with this morning is like a whole nother series, but, um, we're going to wrap this series up starting next week. I'm super excited uh, for our summer series. We're going to look at lessons from the Kings. We're going to look at first Kings and first, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. Um, and we're going to pull from the life of the Kings of Israel lessons, um, that we desperately need today as individuals, but also as a nation, as a local community, um, so I'm excited about, we'll kick that off next week. And if you want to just journey along, just start reading. Some of you are in the daily audio Bible. It just happened to land that, um, the folks who are journeying that annual Bible that you're actually in first Kings right now. So it all kind of fitting together. Um, so with that said, we're going to be in Romans eight. If you have your Bibles, if not, there's one in the seat back under in front of you. Just encourage you to follow along with us. We're going to be in Romans chapter eight, verses nine through 17. As we close out this series this morning, I'm going to do my best in a short period of time to answer this question. And folks, this is a question we have not spent enough time on. And through this whole series, not just human, we've been kind of uh, moving around, breaking this question down. But how do we know when we are led by the Spirit of God? So we started this series um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 and 17. Paul says this to the church, for now, 
Um, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh before he was resurrected, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. We've been in this series just trying to break down the radical truth of that statement and the glory of the gospel to change and transform someone. And so I just ask you this morning, how's that going? As a believer, as a church, when we uh, come to know Jesus, this is one of the things that should happen as we become a new creation, letting the old things pass away, taking hold of the new. It is a whole new life, as Romans says. It's a new way of living by the Spirit, not by the law. It is something radically new. God comes in, puts His Spirit inside us, makes us the temple we've talked about, And begins this fellowship with our spirit. Awakens our spirit to the life of God inside our soul. And we become this new thing. And and how we should start looking at ourselves as well as others is not according to the flesh. In other words, not according to just our humanness, our flesh, our weakness. Not according to the things of the world, right? The outward things. What did um, Samuel say, right? God, or God says, God doesn't look what on the outside. He looks on the inside. And this is what should happen, right? When we come to Jesus, there should be this awakening, right? To the importance of not the outside, not the possessions, not the looks, not the things of the world, but on the inside, the eternality of a soul. What is going on inside the heart? Does that heart know God? Is there life in there? Is there a spirit in there that's alive to God? Or is there deadness? And just flesh, just the world, just what I have, just my soul trying to live life with my mind, my thinking, my emotions, right? And my will, my decision making rather than this new creation and fellowship with the living God. And folks, this should change, right? How we approach one another. This is how Jesus approached people. And look at just as human. And that's why this statement is not just human. And folks, if you have Jesus as your Savior, You have the spirit of the living God inside your soul. You are not just human. And that's a radical thing to think about. You have eternal life. You're the temple of the living God. Because he desires to be with you. He desires to be with us this morning. That's why he sent Jesus to redeem us and do this overwhelming thing the power of the gospel to transform a life. So if we, how does God do that? Well, he puts his spirit inside us, the Holy Spirit, third person in the Trinity, um, to have fellowship with our spirit and start bringing this life alive. And this is what Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 uh, really break down in detail. This dynamic What is going on spiritually inside of me? And in this series, we've been just kind of diving into that uh, dynamic where I want to go this morning specifically is um, to answer this question as best I can for us to wrestle with. How do I know? How do I know when I'm being led by the Holy Spirit or whether it's just my flesh? It's the old way. I'm just doing the things the way I, I know how to do them through my own mental intelligence, through my own feelings and my own decision-making process. How do I know God is leading me, God is in this, or it's just my flesh? 
a critical question because, folks, tragically today, many and throughout the church history, many people are just stuck in the Christian faith and they get disillusioned and they bail out maybe even because they've never laid hold of this. They've got caught up in the law. They've got caught up in just cheap grace, which we've done a great job in America providing, um, you know, people come be saved and then just, hey, you're kind of fire insurance. You're all good and just live under grace. That's not the grace, the powerful grace of God. Um, He's got a lot more for us. To experience this new life, right? And without laying hold of the Spirit's work inside us, right? The distinguishing mark of someone who knows Jesus is the evidence of the experience of the Holy Spirit in our life, right? The fleshing out of the truth of the gospel in our life. Um, and that is what we have to cover today, especially as rational Westerners. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit um, in this study. So, I don't know about y'all, but I have a very difficult time sitting still, listening, waiting, and praying to God. Anybody with me? If not, I want to really talk to you after. (laughs) We're Westerners. We're doers. Most of us. Most of us in our church experience have not been taught or discipled how to go in, sit, and be with God and to develop an intimate fellowship with God and, and to learn to listen to the Spirit of God and learn to hear His guidance and to be led by Him. Um, we're spirit people if we know Jesus. And we must be taught how to walk in the ways of the Spirit and, and how to sit before Him. And, and uh, we'll get to this in this summer series. But David, uh, after he uh, brought the ark in and, and God came and made a covenant with him about building a temple, uh, it says this beautiful language in chapter 17, verse 16 of First Chronicles. It says that David um, went into the Lord, sat with the Lord. And we see David, a man after God's own heart, he knew somehow he developed, right, this idea of being able to sit with the Lord. Abundant time. If you go to the New Testament, what did Jesus do? If you read it over and over again, right, whether it's Mark 1 through 5 or many others, Jesus got up early, right, went out to be alone and sat with the Father. Hours hearing the voice of God. It's the only way, it's the clear model for us. This is the only way you can be led by the Spirit if you learn to sit with the Lord, His Word, and have Him speak to you. And folks, I don't know about you, but every bit of our life, the hectic, marginless lives we live is we're scrambling. And and I believe this is at the core of the problem, why we're not laying hold of this, the promises we see in the Scripture, and we're not seeing the manifestations of the power of the Spirit as much. And we're too busy. We're too busy to hear the voice of God. And therefore, we default to the flesh, and therefore, I go and I do. It might be the right thing, but I'm just doing it by my flesh. The Spirit's not in there. And even this morning, as God's people gather together, right, the prayer should be, Lord, are you with us? What did Moses say? Lord, I'm not going without you. And that should be the desperation of all of us. Lord, I'm not going into that business deal without you. Lord, I'm not going into this venture. I'm not, I'm not living, getting up from my bed. I'm going with you, Lord. I need you with me, Lord. That's why the power of always be filled with the Spirit of God. It's the only way. So that's where the abundant life is. Um, it's not in, in, in uh, just gaining more knowledge of God. 
It is knowing him, right? And in uh, John 10, right, Jesus says it very clearly. My sheep, they hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep, they hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. And folks, I just give you these four things. We're going to, this morning, I'm going to try the best I can to take us on a journey through um, these four movements. Um, so let's start with sitting. Sitting before the Lord. We're sitting before the Lord this morning together. You're here. Uh, I, I, again, only the Lord knows each of our motives, why we're here. Um, but we're here. And the beauty about it is that's really, uh, no matter what my motive is, is that God moves in the midst of his people and can cut through my motives or my busyness or, or my lunch appointment, whatever it is, right, to reveal himself. And so we're sitting before him and, and now listening um, to him is the next thing um, that, that was weird, um, that we're going to do is listen. We're going to listen to God. Listen to his word. And folks, as I read this, I hope that you will uh, see it as the word of God. God speaking to you very personally. And our expectation is that, again, there's nothing hidden from him. He knows everything going on. And he wants to speak directly to each of us here this morning. He's in our midst. uh, And he wants to do a great work. So... Let me uh, dive into the word this morning. This sitting idea, I've already talked about First Chronicles, um, David, and obviously Jesus' model of this for us. Now the listening. And so let's dive in here this morning, Romans 8. And as I said, this kind of wraps up. We've spent a lot of time in, in Romans 8. As far as I'm concerned, I can, you, we, can, we should spend a lifetime in Romans 8. It's um, one of the most amazing chapters, probably gives the most details of this new life. Life in the spirit that we should lay hold of. So starting at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Folks, this is clear language. And again, just see what Paul's entered. The spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life is all the same language for the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. And again, back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago is the distinguishing mark of someone who knows Jesus is the evidence of the spirit of God in their life. The book of Acts, they were known as people of the spirit. The spirit is the one who indwells and that has Jesus abiding through the spirit right inside our soul. So anyone who does not have the spirit of God, of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, and now Paul's encouraging the church in Rome, church, he's in you. Although the body is dead because of sin, in other words, this body's going to die. We know we still have flesh indwelling sin in us, which we looked at in chapter 7, right? This battle of the flesh. And God has given his spirit to put that to death, right? To override that, the sanctification process. The spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit of God is the eternal life of God inside you. And everything you need for life and godliness is granted to you. By faith, we take those promises right inside our life. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's the role of the spirit is to bring life into your soul, the life of God inside your soul. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Now, now I'm going to come back to this a, a little bit, but let me just say is this verse needs to be dug into deeply in the church today. There is no deed of the flesh, there's no addiction, there's no trauma, there's no wrong thinking, there's nothing that any of us have been dealt with or deal with that the Spirit of God is not capable of setting you free from. It is available to you. If you know Jesus and the Spirit of God is in you, you have the ability to lay hold in desperation of the Spirit's power, right, to bring life and to see those things, and this should be our walk in the faith as we move in discipleship with each other, is encouraging each other to put these deeds, these flesh patterns in our life to death. Some of them, man, we can knock them out real quick, right, by some prayer and work. Other things, besetting sin and struggles in our lives, thought patterns, they take longer. They take bringing in reinforcements. They take leaning into the power of God more, right, to get free from. But the Christian life should be an advancement of seeing ourselves free, more free, from these things of the flesh. And the spirit, all, we have the resurrection power of God inside us. And we forget that sometimes of leaning in. We're spirit people. We're to be spirit led as we're going to see here in just a second. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led, here it is, by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Don't miss that. We talk a lot about identity, our our self-worth, all these things that we so need. This is the spirit... It's been put inside your soul to affirm who you are. You can, do, you can go to a thousand classes. You can read a thousand books. You can have someone sit there in your face and tell you how great you are. You're loved, a child of God. Until the Spirit of God, until we allow God to undo this inside our soul, we never get free to really understand how incredibly loved we are and to cry out that, Abba, Father, that we're a child of God. It's by the Spirit of God. Now, God uses all these other means, but it's got to be by the Spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't go much deeper than the flesh. So the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus saved us. Not for us to continue to live our life as normal. Not to continue to live and making our decision doing what we want to. He saved us to call us into his mission. And his mission requires suffering. It requires being set apart from this world. And that's what part of this being this new creation, right, um, is all about. All right, well, let's dive in. And like I said, let's, um, I'm, I have about eight things here. I hope you'll take these. 
Not all of them, it's a lot. And I'm just scratching the surface just um, here on this issue of, okay, how do I know? How do I know that this is the spirit leading me and forming rather than it's just me or it's just my flesh, my mind, my own feelings, my thinking. What about this decision I have to make in life? How do I know, God, that's you leading me? Important stuff, huh? And we don't, we don't talk about this enough. We don't encourage each other. We don't dive in on this like we, like we need to. So here we go. I'm just going to give you eight. And I'm going to start stepping out of Romans um, to a couple of key passages. Ephesians 4.30, right? says, um, the Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, he goes on in Ephesians 4 to talk about getting caught up in the flesh, anger, and all these other things. But the question I have to ask, is my leading in line with God's word? If I'm wrestling with, is this a spirit or not? I need to go and my first filter needs to be, does this line up with God? Is my actions line up with God's word? And let me just step back even further. Is there anything where I'm at odds with God's word? I'm going to be real clear with you folks, because this is a big, big deal today in the church in America. You cannot expect the Spirit of God when we're grieving Him because we're holding to something that violates God's Word, especially His moral law, and expect the Spirit of God to lead you. You're in a grieving relationship. You're out of communion with God. The Spirit of God is quenched inside your soul if I'm at odds with the Word of God. It's about as clear as I can say. Does that make sense? And we play games. No, no, no. I, I like this part. And today, you got a whole chuck of, of uh, progressive Christianity. They want you to take the whole Old Testament and just get rid of it, right? Um, I can't do that. I can't play games with God and His Word. I cannot expect Him to lead and guide me if I'm at odds with His Word. And so I just encourage you, if you're sitting there and you're just kind of bucking up and say, well, that's, you know, culture's changed or things have changed, is God's word, his moral law has never changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You buck up against it, you will not walk in the ways of the spirit. You will grieve the spirit of God and it will only lead you into a place of, out of communion with a holy God. So we have to start there. And, and I'd say also, am I out of tune with, did God call me to do something in the past and I didn't do it? In other words, have I gone through and repented of, of things that I clearly know God was calling me to do that I didn't do? I need to go make that right. Lord, forgive me. I want a clear path forward, right? Deep water there. Second thing is... Um, are we experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in our leading? Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. And just before this, he lists the, the deeds of the flesh. What we do when we're left to our flesh and where the world leads us. And then he lists the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against those things. That's when we know the Spirit of God is with us. If I'm in a big decision and there's something about the peace of God. To me, that's one of the biggest things to know. I'm at peace with him. It might be a hard decision I have to make, but I'm at peace with him. Joy, love. Am I able to, you know, whatever it is, to, to walk in the love of God? In other words, is my experience, in my leading, what I'm wrestling with, what I'm praying for, the decision I'm about to make, am I experiencing the fruit of the Spirit? If I'm anxious, if I'm fearful, those aren't the fruit of the Spirit. I need to pray more. 
I need to pursue God more. I need to bring others into my, into my circle to pray more for those things. Make sense? Again, these each could be whole series on themselves. I hope you'll take them, dive in with other people. Don't let it stop here. Go for coffee, wrestle with these things. Take these into your discipleship groups, into your small groups. Husbands and wives, are we resisting the pursuit and the practice of the spiritual gifts? First Thessalonians 5 makes it very clear. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Right? Do not look down upon prophecy. Do not look down on any of the gifts of the third person of the Trinity. Now I'm going to hit this real hard. Most people in most of us have come from a background that minimized God's spirit, minimized the gifts of God. And folks, um, that quenches the spirit of God. In um, biblical times in the Middle East, uh, when you visited someone, even if they were a stranger, but especially if they were, you know, like the leader of a house or a, or a kingdom or anything else, um, you always brought gifts. It was just the culture of hospitality, right? You, and we still do it today. If you, usually when you're invited to somebody's house, you bring a bottle of wine or something like that. Um, but they brought huge gifts, right? Um, it, was, it was part of honoring. And here's the thing. If you rejected the gift, you rejected the person. I want this to sink in. If you reject the gift, you reject the person. And the Holy Spirit of God, you go back to Ephesians 4, when Jesus ascended, right? It says that he gave out gifts to men. Through the Holy Spirit. And if I've been taught in my church background, I just give this to you to, I plead with you to seek this out. If you have a barrier to a gift that comes and is clearly given in the scripture from the Holy Spirit to the church, and you reject that, you're rejecting the person behind the gift. And it will only quench your advancement of letting the Spirit of God lead your life and the freedom of what He might want to bestow upon you. Does that make sense? And again, I know I'm speaking to a crowd, probably most people here are coming from backgrounds that just don't talk about that stuff. We'd love to engage you. Love to engage you. Let the Scripture speak, not man's tradition. Let the Word of God speak. And Paul could not be any clearer with love. Pursue love. Earnestly, passionately go after the beautiful gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Number four. Is there clarity of the difference between the flesh leading or the spirit? So, in other words, how do I know if the spirit's leading me? Well, I need clarity. Now, I think the easier thing to start with is, man, I know when the flesh is leading me. Now, I just ask you if, in your own life, do you know when the flesh is leading you? Do you know when you, wow, are acting out of selfishness, anger? <laughs> Go down the list of things, right? We know, I think the first thing is, wow, that's not a good response. We know when our emotions, when we are caught up in anxiety, caught up in fear, we know that's the flesh. We know when we move into something and we quickly think we have the answer just because of our past experience, our expertise, the things of the world, and we go into a solution without stopping and waiting and listening and asking God, right? So do we know the, the clarity 
of this is, is so, so, so important. Um, man, ah, I think so many of us, because I've been there, we bounce between being under the law, sin management, or under cheap grace. We want, God wants us to be in that zone where the Spirit of God has filled us. It's a new creation. It's a new way of living. Free from the law, free from the power of sin, free to be holy and pursue God and holiness and righteousness and to be his child under his inheritance. But boy, right, we, man, if we don't go after this stuff and learn to hear and let the Spirit of God lead, man, woo, we go here quick back under just sin management. What do I do? Well, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. I'm doing pretty good. No. Is the Spirit of God, is there a growing dependence? God, I can't do this without you. Spirit, you've got to come. You've got to empower me. Learning that. It's a relational dependence. Now, let me ask a fun question. We're on a great adventure. It's a wild adventure. It's a scary, very dangerous adventure. And uh, you're about to take off into unknown, complete unknown territory. And you have a choice. You can either have a guide to go with you or you can have a map. Which would you choose? Hate maps. Yeah, I love maps. Okay, Billy. Wow. Everybody? Guide or map? Okay, map is map. Okay. All right. It's very interesting. I, I, and this just kind of really shows some personal, I'm going to go off a little thing here, but kind of shows some personal things. I, I want a map simply because I want the adventure of trying to figure it out myself. Now, I might be a control freak too, who knows, but you know, when it comes to like going out, whether it's fishing or hunting or any of these other kind of things is, man, I'd rather do it myself. I'd rather figure it out. I'm going to make some mistakes, but more the adventure. Um, and, that, and that says something probably personal about me. But here's the deal. Let me circle this back around. We have a guide and we have a map. And the problem in the church in our Western culture today is we lean primarily on the map. We lean primarily on the written word of God. And I want to remind you about something. The early church did not have this. They had the spirit of God. And so I ask you, would you want to live today with all the massive resources we have? Bible study helps, books galore, conferences galore, and live the normative Christian life you see and modeled in America today? Or would you rather live in first century Jerusalem and experience what the early church, they didn't have this in this form, but they had the vibrant Holy Spirit. Mm. It's a tough one. And I know I can see some of you going, but Steve, but Steve, this is the written word of God. It is. And we have to hold it. We need the map. And it's a blessing. But let me tell you, this thing right here, especially as a Western mind, it is simply a to-do book, sin management book, if the Holy Spirit's power is not upon it. If I don't come to this book with a greater growing dependence on spirit, you enlighten me, you mold me, you bring this alive, you make it personal, you bring my life in line, submitted to this. Without that, well, we get what we're seeing a lot kind of in America, sad to say. We need the spirit of God to awaken our hearts 
and to move us to conviction and to realize what is the, all the things the Holy Spirit is given to do, right? It's to reveal righteousness, to re- convict our hearts, bring us back to the word of God, to lead, to guide, right? Look at all the things as we're to keep in step with the Spirit of God. The Spirit's to lead and guide us, Right? And folks, that's not just, I just want to break the mold here a little bit. It's not everything you need to hear is not just right here. There's a God bigger than this word. Now, he never contradicts it. And I know you're saying, ooh, that sounds scary. It's the Spirit of God. All through the, the scriptures, it was the Spirit that people leaned into that led them here or there. Right? What decisions to make in life, how to talk to this person, give you insight, right? powerful insight by the Spirit of God to, to break in the kingdom into somebody's life. doesn't tell you exactly how to do that here. You need a guide. You need the third person of God inside you setting a fire right? and, and leading and guiding you. Again, never in contradiction. The map and the God should go perfectly together. Does that make sense, gang? Okay. Number five. Am I learning to let the Spirit inform my thinking, feelings, and decisions? Woo! All right, we dug deep into this. Our soul, right, is, and I think, again, in discipleship, we haven't done the work of, of helping people understand the Spirit's dynamic deep inside our being, our soul. What happened when we're saved? The Spirit of God comes in. My soul was dead to God. I was destined an orphan away outside of the blessings of God. And the Spirit awakened me and came in and awakened my spirit to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And now what Romans is telling us is now I have to learn to lean into the Spirit of God with my mind. What does Romans 12 say? Renew your mind. Renew it. Renew it in the things of God. Because remember, I'm coming out of life where my mind was captivated by three primary things. My flesh... The world and the ruler of the world, the prince and power of the air, the devil himself. And I was captive to all three of those until my Redeemer set me free. Amen. And I learned, Holy Spirit, you give me things. My feelings were such a therapeutic culture. We lead out with feelings. That's not the Christian life. You reel your feelings in and you submit them to the fruit of the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God correct your feelings and bring them under submission to the fruit of the Spirit of God. My decision making, right? My will. Ah, I bring it to submission. This is life, folks. This is unity with God. This is the power. And um, one beautiful passage here. It's Father's Day, so I just want to camp out on it just a second here. You did not receive the spirit, this is uh, verse 15, the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom you cry, Abba. You didn't receive, right, this spirit of fear again to go into slavery. Now let me take you back. The slavery trade was a brutal, brutal, obviously throughout all of history. But back in this day, when armies would fight and they would take captives, they'd bring them back and they would strip them completely naked. They'd put them, in other words, families were torn apart. You'd be set on a block and people would come by and they would poke at you and they would put a bid up for you. You had no idea. 
You were removed from your family. You were a radical orphan. Um, you were ashamed. You, were, you, were, you had no idea what master was going to buy you. Can you think of a more fearful, humiliating, traumatic thing to see your children, your wife, your precious put on the block? Hmm. But here's the gospel. And here's, let me stop. Folks, here's the problem. This is why we don't so celebrate what God has done for us. We all were on the block. We all were on the block. And you will never understand the gospel. You'll never be saved, see Jesus, or experience the spirit of God until you come to realize is that I was enslaved to the flesh, to the world system, and to the enemy, uh, the ruler of the world himself. All were. Until a redeemer came in and says, I'm going to buy that one. Brought him down off the block, clothed him with the robe of righteousness, adopted him into his eternal family. That's salvation. And that's exactly when it says you've been redeemed. That's what the word means, is that God took you off the block. The problem in America today is we just think, no, 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 that's not me. I'm, I look good. I'm successful. I've never been a slave. I've never been anybody's slave. You've just bought the biggest lie that goes all the way back to the garden. You are a slave. You're a slave to your flesh. You're a slave to the world system. And you are enslaved to the powers of darkness. The Bible. And you're like, whoa, Steve. Whoa. (laughs) Folks, we need to teach the truth. We'll never see the glory of the gospel until we see what we're radically saved from. And the problem is people think, oh, look at that slave. Look at that person addicted. Look at those people. Now, there's some people who the bondage of the flesh, the world, and and the enemy, it's clear they're in bondage. It's clear they're a mess. The ones that are scary are the ones who are just as much bondage, but they look good. And they're captive to the world and its system. They need to be bought and redeemed off the block just as much as the person who's in very obvious bondage. And until I come to realize I was on the block, destined away from God, destined as an orphan, outside of the promises of God, until Jesus came and called me off the block. Wow. Filled me with his spirit, made me what? A new creation. Filled me with his spirit. And the spirit was as Abba. Abba. And folks, that leads us to this next one. To me, it's the most powerful. Do you know this? Do you know the cry of Abba in your heart? Do you know the cry of Father? I'm your child. I'm under your blessings. You're there. I can rest in you. Without that, it's questionable whether you know God. Whether you know Jesus, whether the Spirit of God's alive in you. That's the work of the Spirit, is is to, what does it say? To awaken your spirit, to cry, Abba, Father. Every day should be Father's Day. For the one who knows what Jesus has done to adopt them back into the family of God. Abba, Abba. (laughs) um, My kids have different names for me. And it's this morning, um, and if you're watching, by the way, um, Megan, you are now the favored child. You'll have all the inheritance. Um, so, and she just, you know, the, you know, they're in endear- terms of endearment, pops, old man. My favorite is old fart. Um, 
cetera, et cetera. But Megan texts this morning, happy Father's Day, Daddy. 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 Goes right to the soul. And if you're a dad, you need to awaken that inside your soul. Every person here should have that awakened. Abba, Daddy. Daddy, I'm yours. I'm yours. Make sense? Is there a willingness to share in Christ's sufferings? Don't need to spend too much time. But Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. This is Philippians 3.10. And I want to share in his sufferings. Do you ever pray like that? Jesus saved you to be about his business and he promised if you're going to follow him, there's going to be tough times because this world and the enemy of the world and the flesh, it wants to shut down the message of Jesus. And boy, is it raging in our country now. Are you willing to make a stand for him? But let's get real personal. Are you willing to, what did Jesus, how did Jesus suffer? You willing to pray all night? You willing to pray all night for each other to get breakthrough? You want to fast and pray to see your brothers and sisters get broken free from bondage or addiction? I want to suffer, to love like Jesus loved. Man, that's the Spirit of God working. That's when you know the Spirit of God is at work, right? To do things I know I can't do, I don't feel like doing it, but the Spirit of God moves me to do it. The final one, is our longing for the redemption of our bodies and the return of Jesus. The end of Romans. Is there a groaning inside you? Lord, uh, not just because I'm getting old. <laughs> Lord, come, Jesus. Complete your work. As what Paul said, Lord, that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to see it completed, Lord. I want to see all your inheritance. Is there a growing sense of that or is it just me and my life and I'm just planning out my retirement and my little fun and comfortable life is that where your hope is that's what you're thinking about you're groaning more about how this life is what's going on or is it about Lord come renew this world make it all new again man it's a lot of stuff I just threw a lot at you right and those are just a few things just right out of chapter 8 and a few other places to know the Spirit of God is leading us. So let's do something. Um, let's finish this up. I'm going to pray. And let's just take a time to, of praying and waiting before we come to the table. So hold off coming to the table. And uh, let me just say, if join me. I'm going to pray. But let's just wait. But if you are here and, and man, the Lord, you just want to pray over the body. You want to give God praise in your prayer stand up and just join in this is the body of christ this is the church at work right just stand up and pray short but pray and we'll take a few minutes here just to let the spirit of god speak to us as we pray to him and then we'll release ourselves to come to the table and we'll be done so as the music comes up now we're just going to be the body and this is where we've listened and now let's move into serving one another or move now just to listen to, uh, to the Lord. How am I going to respond to this? 
just to prepare our hearts to come to the table. When you come to the table, this is a family event. This is not to be some solemn thing we maybe some of us have learned. This would be a joyful event, rejoicing with each other, what Jesus has done for you, made you a new creation. And so circle around that table and rejoice with one another. It's a celebration. It's a family table, the family of God. If you're here this morning and you're just unsure about who Jesus is, please come talk to us. Man. So, Father, we just thank you um, for your word, Lord, as we close out this series, prepare for a new one. Lord, set this in our hearts that we want to be a new creation. Lord, and, and to hear your voice, God, to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Speak to us. Convict us. Encourage us. Give us ears to hear. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.